Hello everyone and welcome to your place for all things paranormal, supernatural, metaphysical, and conspiratorial. Today we're going to be talking about close encounters, but not the kind of close encounters you're hoping to have when you go to the bar on a Friday night, but <laughs> close enc- <laughs> <laughs> the close encounters you have when you meet some extraterrestrials. <laughs> I'm Danya. I'm Chris. I wasn't. We. I wasn't expecting that. One. That's good. <laughs> Welcome to the Triangulum. Welcome everybody. Welcome everyone to episode 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This should be an interesting one too. Well, it's a little bit different. It's maybe a little bit more information, I guess. Yeah, it's lighter. It's not. Yeah, uh, it's definitely lighter. Yeah. But I think it's a interesting topic and something that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. And for how sure. it came about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. I think so. I do too. Maybe not for you. Yeah, maybe not for everybody, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting where, where, where it came from. So close encounters. Well, close encounters is really the term that is used to um, explain a UFO event, right. whether you've experienced a UFO event or an extraterrestrial event. And there is actually levels of close encounters. In ufology, close encounter is defined as an event in which a person witnesses an unidentified flying object. Right. Most listeners might be familiar with the term, um, or some may have never heard of it. But I think a lot of people have probably heard close encounters yeah. because of the movie. Yeah. Close the, encounters of the third kind. It's there. It's everywhere now. Yeah. That movie it's came everywhere. out in 1977. That's a good movie too, man. Yeah. And that movie is actually named after the scale. Yes. So that's what we're going to be talking about yeah. today. Okay. Third kind, that's what the movie refers to, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. So then I guess my next question would be, okay, so what's the first kind? Yeah. What's the second kind? Yeah. Most people aren't even aware that there are kinds. Well, that's it. Right? That's it. So where did the scale come from? Well, the scale was developed by a very prominent ufologist, J. Allen Hynek, yeah. and he first referenced it in his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. Right. I don't know how many people are familiar with Hynek, but I'm going to talk a little bit about him because mm-hmm. he's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, he is. Hynek was an astronomer and a professor and a ufologist. Yeah, Dr. Hynek. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's a doctor. Yeah. He's probably best known, though, for his UFO research. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So when did he first become involved in UFO research? Because he's an astronomer and a professor, right? How the hell does he get into UFO stuff? Yeah. Well, that's where it's pretty interesting, actually. And you would think that when he got into UFO stuff, he would be interested in UFOs, but he wasn't. He wasn't on side. No, he wasn't. No. Just thinking everything was bunk. Mm Mm-hmm. So in 1948, the United States Air Force established a project called Project Sign. Right. And the purpose of Project Sign was to collect evaluate and share within the government all information pertaining to UFO sightings as they might represent a threat to national security. Right. Hynek was contacted and asked to act as like a scientific consultant on Project Sign. He was, his duties basically were studying UFO reports and determining whether the sightings reported could have been astronomical objects. Right. So like, oh, they saw something and it was like a star or it was a meteor or whatever. He's an astronomer. Swamp gas. <laughs> yeah. 
He actually did say that in one of them, and then it got really (laughs) fucking blown out of proportion. He was pretty pissed off about it. Yeah. So when Heineck first started with Project Sign, he was a skept- he was skeptical of UFO reports. Yeah, uh, hardcore. Yeah, he believed the reports were likely made by unreliable witnesses, or by people who had or, yeah who yeah. had misidentified natural or man-made objects. In 1948, Heineck is actually quoted as saying, "The whole subject seems utterly ridiculous." Later, describing it as a fad that would soon pass. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, <laughs> that didn't happen. Did that didn't it? happen to him. No, not at all. No. So it was at first. It was thought that these sightings that Heineck and others would be studying would be Soviet secret weapons. Right. Hence the belief that these UFOs, quote unquote, might pose a national security threat. Project Sign was very short lived. Yeah. But in Project Sign's final report, released in early 1949. It was stated that while some of the sightings seemed to represent the sighting of an actual aircraft of some sort, there wasn't enough data to confirm where they may have come from. Yeah. Project Sign ended and Project Grudge started. Right. Heineck was still involved with uh, Project Grudge, but not as involved as he was when he was doing Project Sign. No, yeah. So I want to talk about Project Grudge a little bit here because... It would seem to me that Project Sign may have stumbled on some things that couldn't really be debunked. And perhaps those UFO uh, encounters were shelved as having no explanation or maybe another worldly explanation. Yeah, absolutely. The the project itself ended and then Project Grudge started. Right. And they still investigated UFO reports. However, those working on Project Grudge were not using standard intelligence procedures that had been uh, followed previously. Yeah. It was a whole different thing. A whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah. All of the UFO reports that Project Grudge was investigating were being evaluated on the premise that UFOs couldn't possibly exist. It was made to... Mm -hmm. So so no matter what you hear or what you see, don't believe it. Yeah. That was basically the mandate. Yeah, exactly. Military types at the time were so anti-saucer yeah. that some have suggested that the name Grudge was chosen deliberately by them. So they say they were, but, you know. There was a lot that were, and Heineck didn't have a lot of nice things to say about some of them. Yeah, and going back to what you're saying about Heineck and the Russians, space race was going on at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. It was a big deal. Yeah. So... Project Grudge operated under a debunking directive, and Heineck had said that debunking reports is what the Air Force had expected him to do. Yeah. And even though Project Sign found some UFOs might have had an extraordinary explanation, Project Grudge found that the remaining minority of reports not classified as misidentified clouds or stars or aircraft or sun dogs or whatever you want to call them could still be explained away as some sort of normal phenomenon. Yeah. So hence, a public relations campaign at the time started to tell the masses that there's no such thing as UFOs. As UFOs, yeah. Yeah. Project Grudge filed its only formal report in August of 1949, and its conclusions are as follows. And I'm going to read them as they were... This is Grudge? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There is no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development, and therefore... They constitute no direct threat to the national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. Headquarters, AMC, so 
Air Material Command, will continue to investigate reports in which realistic technical applications are clearly indicated. Note, it is apparent that further study along present lines would only confirm the findings presented herein. It is further recommended that pertinent collection directives be revised to reflect the contemplated change in policy. Right. So basically what they're saying is, if you study it any further, you're only going to find the same thing that we have, so you should stop. You should just stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Under B, all evidence and analysis indicate that reports of unidentified flying objects are the result of, one, misinterpretation of various conventional objects, Two, a mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. <laughs> Three, individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a hoax or to seek publicity. Yeah. And number four, psychopathological persons. Yeah. So basically, if you saw something, you were either mistaken, a liar, or nuts. Yeah. The sad part is, is the, as you start to see it in the past, you know, mm-hmm. looking in the past, the people that really had something happen to them. Well, they could look at how they were made out to be, like nuts. Yeah. They were like kooks, crazy. Well, you start a, a public campaign to tell people that these things aren't real. Yeah. And then you, sad, you, you put a report out that says, if you saw something, these are your three options. Yeah. You were wrong, you're nuts, or you're, you're nuts, a liar. You're crazy, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a liar. Yeah. So Project Grudge officially ended in 1949, but kind of operated minimally up until about late 1951. Right. After Project Grudge came the big one, Project Blue Book. Hynek was quite involved in Project Blue Book. And his time in Project Blue Book would mark pretty much his change of heart when it came to UFO sightings. Yeah. He was a staunch skeptic when he he started. And he had said that his feeling had changed with regards to UFO reports from like firm skeptic to more of a wavering skepticism during his time on Project Blue Book. Yeah. A minority of UFO reports that he thought were maybe unexplainable are the reason why he kind of started to change his mind. I heard that or read that he had just come across certain ones that there's just like there's just no way. There's mm-hmm. no way this is from Earth. Mm-hmm. There's no way. So after being a part of three different government projects set up to investigate UFO reports, we see that Heineck believed that he had come across at least a small number of reports that could not be conventionally explained. Yeah. And it was in the late stage of Project Blue Book in the 1960s that Heineck started speaking openly about his disagreements and disappointments with the Air Force and their handling of investigations into UFO reports. Yeah, yeah. So we had this guy who was brought on just to debunk everything, Yeah. and he's seeing a lot of reports, and he's coming to a realization that not everything, not everything can be debunked. Not everything is debunked, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot that were real. One of the cases in which Heineck openly opposed the Air Force was a, a highly publicized case in Portage County, Ohio. Right. I believe it's referred to sometimes as the Portage County UFO chase. Yeah. It happened in April of 1966. Two deputies, uh, t- deputies, deputies <laughs> from Portage <laughs> County, Ohio chased a UFO for about, I don't know, 86 miles or something like that. That's they a, basically chased this thing. Yeah. yeah. They chased this thing from Ohio to Pennsylvania. Yeah, that was a long way. As far as I understand it, there was like a car stopped on the road, and then the UFO came up from behind the trees. They saw it. They got in their vehicles, and they chased it. Yeah. So from Ohio to Pennsylvania, that's a long chase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was like, okay, we got police officers following this thing for like a half hour. 
I wondered sometimes when you were telling me about that if it was injured cold. <laughs> you never know, yeah, because that's people. about the same uh, same place yeah. and around the same time. Yeah, seriously, around yeah, cars, funny, eh? highways. You know, yeah. I, I, I honestly, seriously, I thought, I wonder if it's the same. Could be, uh, you know, group. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's around the same time. It is, I, in the same kind of area. You know? Yeah, yeah, and same kind of idea with the highways and the cars and and stuff. He also disagreed with the Air Force regarding uh, another account by a police officer named Lonnie Zamora. And he had an encounter with like a metallic egg-shaped craft. Yeah, it's amazing. In uh, New Mexico in April 1964. Yeah. So those two cases in particular, Hynek was like, eh, these are reliable people. Yeah. Yeah, those ones really made him him open his eyes, Mm -hmm. his mind. Yeah. He he noted during it uh, during the existence of project project. Why can't I talk? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what the hell. Spit okay. It out. Yeah. Right. Let's try again. <laughs> during the existence of Project Blue Book, it had been nicknamed by some people as the Society for the Explanation of the Uninvestigated. Uh, Doesn't that speak volumes? It does. We didn't. We didn't check into anything you reported, but we have an explanation for it. It's jokes. The whole thing was jokes. At least that's what Hynek was seeing. Yeah. So he he witnessed poor investigative procedures uh, set forth by the Air Force, but he continued to do his own research. And this is when he develops his close encounter scale. Yes. So Hynek's scale is as follows. The first encounter. Mm -hmm. It's not called a close encounter. No. It's just your first your first category right is nocturnal lights right so lights in the night sky right your second category is daylight discs okay so ufos seen in the daytime generally having uh, an oval shape or right. or a disc shape the third category radar visual so ufo <laughs> ufo reports that have radar confirmation these supposedly try to offer harder evidence that the objects are real, although radar propagation can be occasionally discredited due to atmospheric propagation anomalies. Okay, yeah. Then we get into close encounters. All we right. have close encounters of the first kind, which is visual sightings of an unidentified flying object seemingly less than 500 feet away that show an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. Yeah, Then you have close encounters of the second kind. Okay. A UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, a physiological effect such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness, or some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation, or a chemical trace. Yeah. Lots of people have close encounters of the first kind. Yeah, yeah, millions. Yeah, lots of people have encounters that are considered nocturnal lights. Yeah, yeah, again. People have had close encounters of the second kind. If we look at Rendlesham, that would have been a close encounter of the second kind. Second kind, kind, yeah. If you look at... um, Travis Walton. uh, His was actually even more so. Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah, Barney and Betty Hill. That was even more too. Mm -hmm. Well, that that starts off as a second kind. Exactly. And then grows into the next kind. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the third one. Close encounters of the third kind, right? Right. UFO encounters in which an animated entity is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a UFO. Right. 
right? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Yeah. So though that was the scale that Hynek developed mm-hmm. in order to categorize the, the the reports he's getting. People have added on to that. Yes, they have. So there was another ufologist named Ted Blocher. He was one of the investigators of the CSI, or the Civilian Saucer Intelligence Research Group, that was founded in 1954 in New York. Okay. Their newsletter had been referred to as the best UFO periodical of its time. Yeah. Because there was a lot of amateur groups out there. Oh, yeah. A shit ton. Yeah. But this group, the CSI group, they conducted rigorous investigations into UFO reports at the time. And there was three core uh, researchers, Blocher himself, another woman named Isabel Davis, and another guy named Alexander uh, Mabane. They have been described basically as tough uh, analysts. Yeah, they were hardcore. Mm -hmm. They were going to scrutinize things. Very difficult to fool. Yeah, sift through. Yeah. And the the CSI was critical of contactees that claimed regular contact with extraterrestrials. So if you came in and said, oh, you know. I see them all the time to come visit me. Whoever from wherever talks to me every day, they were a little, they were... They were a suspect. Exactly. They would really dig into your life and your past yeah. to see whether that was true or true you were or, just doing it for yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. Unlike other groups at the time, though, when people did report a close encounter of the third kind, they did investigate because a lot of groups didn't. No. They just thought it was malarkey and just didn't bother. Yeah. Either they didn't or they just went with the story and, oh, yeah, this really happened, and they, they just keep yeah. going with it. You know, They didn't really give a damn one way or the other. So... Blocher proposed six subtypes for the close encounters of the third kind in Hynek scale. So you have close encounters of the third kind, and then this gentleman added subsets. Yeah. They're listed as A through F. So if you had a close encounter of the third kind, it could be further distinguished with a corresponding letter. So let's say, for example, you had a close encounter of the third kind, and it was like a C. Okay. So it would be like a CE3C. Or right. CE3F. Right. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing? Yeah. So here's a breakdown of his additional subtypes. Okay. A, a board. Okay. An entity is observed only inside the UFO. Okay. B, both. An entity is observed inside and outside of the UFO. Okay. C, close. An entity is, is observed near to a UFO, but not going in or out. Hmm. Okay. D, direct. An entity is observed. No UFOs are seen by the observer, but UFO activity has been reported in the area about the same time. Right. E, excluded. An entity is observed, but no UFOs are seen, and no UFO activity has been reported in the area at that time. Hmm. Yeah. And F, frequency. No entity or UFOs are observed, but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communication. Right. So that would be like telepathy. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, so I would think so. Blocher's additions help to further identify cases with more specific experiences, right? Yeah. You're seeing the scale become more defined over time. Right. Which would suggest to me that you're getting a lot more different reports. Yes. You need more categories yeah. in which to file them. Yeah, things were ramping up. So then there's more extensions mm-hmm. to Hynek's scale. That's when you get into the next one, close encounter of the fourth kind. Fourth kind, yeah. So a close encounter of the fourth kind is a UFO event in which a human is abducted by a UFO and or its occupants. Right. 
even though the second kind kind of covers some of that, like in Betty and Barney Hill and uh, Walton yeah. and any of the others, right? The fourth kind is specific to you've been abducted. Yes. Either the ship took you or beings took you, but you've been abducted. You've been abducted, yeah. Jacques Vallée argued that close encounters of the fourth kind should also refer to cases where the witness has experienced a transformation of their sense of reality. That's in doing so, though, then the fourth kind would then include non-abduction cases where hallucinatory or dreamlike events are associated with UFO encounters. Yeah, Dr. Mack did a lot of, lot of research on that, a lot mm-hmm. of study, mm-hmm. John Mack. Do you agree with that? The transformation? Well, the transformation of reality, yeah. So you're, they're basically saying their sense of reality has changed, but they weren't necessarily abducted. I agree with that, yeah. yeah? I definitely agree with that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would probably think that's more of the, or the highest number of cases, like people having a dream and, mm-hmm. or you know, just before going to sleep, there's something that starts to change mm-hmm. right, in their reality. And probably because of their, their brain state as well, like they're, they're able to perceive things, but that's another thing altogether. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree, definitely I do. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I guess an encounter in a dream state would fall under this kind of category, like being uh, a being speaking with you or giving you information about something. Or, uh, yeah. You know, something like that. I've had things like that. So have you. Yes, I have. So, yes, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely have had something uh, like that. I, I definitely don't think it was a dream because no, it's not no something, way. extraterrestrials is not something I dream about. It's not a subject I immerse myself in. Yeah. Unlike you, you yeah. read about this stuff all yeah. the time. But I don't. I, you know, when I have a dream that has to do with it, it's so different. Mm-hmm. It's not like a normal dream. And I tell you that, like I've told you that. Mm-hmm. I've told friends of mine that too. It's just different. Mm-hmm. You feel di- things look different, they feel different. Mm-hmm. And you see things different. It's just more electric or clear. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. Well, I guess I am explaining it there, but uh, mm-hmm. it's different. Oh, it's different for me because, like I said, it's not a subject that I immerse myself in. No, it's not something I read up on. It's not something like I'm not an extraterrestrial fanatic. No, no, it's not like or you, anything you're, you're like that. Studying no. it. You know. So when I've had it and something has come to me, I've been like, "What yeah. the fuck." Yeah, truthfully, I you was, beca- I was. Well, you became more open to it when you started having these experiences. Well, I you know, of because course they you gave had me to. information. They yeah. gave me information that I needed to look up. Yeah, and, and looking it up, you're like, it was true. Holy shit, this is real. Yeah, this is actually real. I was tripped out for yeah. a few days after that. Definitely. It's so cool too because, and you want more to happen, but it, it, it happens it, in its own time. In its own time, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Too bad. It sucks. Wish you could dial him on the phone. Yeah, exactly. I've got questions. It's so true because <laughs> you're like, wow, you know, it opens up and you, you've got so much to talk or ask and, and there's nothing. So after close encounters of the fourth kind, which we've experienced, some people have experienced, if you take into account the uh, adjustment that Jacques Vallée is suggesting you right. make to it, yeah, uh, you have close encounters of the fifth kind. Okay. So a close encounter of the fifth kind is described as a UFO event that involves direct communication between extraterrestrials and humans. So this is face-to-face, no dreams, yeah. no hallucinations. Yeah, this is like you and me. Yeah, met Yeah, met in a field or some shit and yeah. had a chat. 
So this type of close encounter uh, was named or coined, I guess, by CSETI, or the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, I believe. Right, yeah. And it was founded by Stephen Greer, or I guess you could say Dr. Stephen Greer, because he was originally an emergency room physician before he started getting more into the... Ufology stuff. I love Doctor Doctor Greer. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're listening, brother, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I love what he does. Yeah, give this guy a lot of credit, man. So C. Seti has described the fifth kind, right? Yeah, or a close encounter of the fifth kind, as bilateral contact experiences through conscious, voluntary, and proactive human initiated cooperative communication with extraterrestrial intelligence. Right. And they've even developed a type of uh, protocol for facilitating contact. Mm-hmm. I, I'll get into that in a couple of minutes. We'll, yeah. we'll actually get into that a little bit further yeah. so that you can understand. Pretty cool. Yeah, how they, how they suggest you make it happen. Yeah. But I also want to, I want to finish out the extensions to Hynix scale. Yeah, yeah. So after close encounters of the fifth kind, we have close encounters of the sixth kind. Right. And those are described as UFO events that result in the death of a human or an animal. Oh, okay. Well, cattle mutilations, I didn't know it was death of a human. Yeah. Well, I guess we never know if there's a death of a human because they don't really report that. Yeah, I guess they wouldn't. Right? Yeah. So it, it involves those, so death of a human or an animal, channeling of an extraterrestrial entity or entities. Okay. And the intrusion or parasitic attachment by an extraterrestrial consciousness. Okay. So I didn't find anything that detailed who who came up with the term or who came up with the definitions for the sixth kind. Right. Uh, it doesn't seem to get talked about too much. But I, I guess, like you were saying, cattle mutilations is part of it. But I was also thinking when they're talking about channeling, you could use sixth kind as a reference to categorize the law of one material. Right, the raw right. material, right? Because yeah. that was supposed to be extraterrestrials. Yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. so things like that, I guess, yeah. of that nature. Yeah. And lastly, we have <clears throat> close encounters of the seventh kind. Okay. A close encounter of the seventh kind is described as the creation of a human extraterrestrial hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or by artificial scientific methods. Right. So it's alien hoochie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I read. I just finished reading that book about that one guy who, you know, supposedly had uh, sexual sexual encounters with uh, two alien beings. What the hell book was that? Uh, about the DNA, oh. and then they they found the uh, the DNA samples on him uh-huh. that were still they can figure out, but they matched. But he said. They yeah. matched what these, you know, what what he was describing is what they looked like. Which guy is this? Uh, I think he's Australian. I think he was in in Australia. I don't know if he's Australian, but um, it's the one that I, I I picked up when we were trying to check out uh, Area Fifty One and that. Oh, from that weird place. <laughs> yeah, from that little little place that, on the like, side. Airplane hangar looking place. Yeah, yeah, ah, with the giant okay. giant alien standing in front. You see, this is why I don't pay attention to the types <laughs> of books you buy. <laughs> it's not a bad book. It, it's actually pretty good. I, I just can't remember the title of it ah, right okay. now, but it's about di- finding DNA. Uh, alien DNA and and the guy who's doing research on different cases that they did have alien DNA or ET DNA. So he had a close encounter of the seventh kind. Yeah, hmm. yeah, definitely. That's what that refers to. We know mm-hmm. there's lots of reports of human ab- 
abductions resulting in, you know, taking out genetic material well, or putting genetic material in. Saying that they've been impregnated and then three months later there's nothing. It's mm-hmm. gone. But and they go for tests and it shows that something was there, but it's it's gone now. Yeah. Those are the kinds of close encounters that are used to categorize UFO events upon investigation. Right. So you like what did I say? I said nocturnal lights, daylight mm-hmm. discs, right. um, radar visual, right? Right. Encounters of the first kind, second kind third kind, fourth kind, fifth kind, sixth kind, and seventh kind. Seventh kind, yeah. Yeah. It grew. It grew exponentially high next scale. Close Encounters of the Eighth Kind is when they land and everybody sees them. I guess, yeah, maybe. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I guess. I I don't know what it would be. Yeah. Right? So here's here's the thing that, I thought was interesting when you look at the scale, the most interesting one obviously is CE5. Yeah. Because that's a big one that's being pushed in the, pushed right now by CSETI and Greer. Yeah. Greer's uh, organization. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it is about facilitating communication. Yeah, and he's what he's Dr. Greer seems to be saying or what the way I take it is that Disclosure isn't going to come anytime soon, and he's he's really concerned about the wrong type of disclosure coming out. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that, you know what, the best type of disclosure is for you to get in touch with him yourself. Makes sense. And it does make sense. I mean, let's be realistic. Someone tells you something about someone else, and you think it's a little bit fishy. Do you buy that story yeah, wholeheartedly, I, yeah. or do you just go talk to the actual person and find yeah. out what the real deal is? Yeah, I, that's, what, that's I what I do. do. So do I. So do <laughs> you I. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to hear what I don't want to hear else. what Jimmy said. Yeah. I want to go to John. Yeah. You can tell me straight yeah. what, what it is. Yeah. I don't want to hear it from everybody else. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. Do you, wanna he- do you want to hear it from frigging governmental bodies, or would yeah. you rather just talk to them yourself? You know what? Over time, though, I, to the defense of coming to the defense of the governmental bodies, yeah. I can kind of see why they hold back from telling people oh, yeah, certain things, because people are pretty freaking dumb, man. Yeah. And I always go back to that one line in that Men in Black movie with Will Smith and uh, uh, Tommy Lee sitting on that on that bench mm-hmm. when he's going to decide whether he's going to join. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Why not just tell people? You can't tell people." And that little that just few yeah. lines about people are this, 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 and this. No mm-hmm. way, right? He's right. Mm-hmm. He's right. So coming to their defense, I can I kind of get where they're not well, telling Well, didn't we people. just see a show that we were watching a paranormal show? When was it? Friday night or something like that? And they're like, it's aliens in the sky. They're full yeah, of lights. And then somebody was like, you should be shooting at idiot. it. fucking idiot. The first thing he's saying, we should be shooting these things. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> That's exactly why you shouldn't be told. And, there's a, and the, the sad part is, is that you know there's a lot of fucking people out there like that. There is. Now, don't get me wrong. There's very real potential that some could come and we should be shooting them. Well, well absolutely. But there's also equally real potential that there should be, could be some that come that don't need to be shot at all. My deal is that don't you think they could have taken you over already? Oh, yeah. They could have wiped us out in no time. Exactly. So why? Right now, though, it's just right now they're going to come at you. Yeah. Uh, no. No, they would. If they wanted you, they would have taken this place over a long time ago. If there was an advanced civilization out there that wanted to get rid of us, yeah, it would get rid Jesus. of us. Yeah, it's just. And to me, advanced civilization means that they're evolved, not only uh, technologically, technologically, but consciously. spiritually, consciously. Yeah. You know, so they don't. So they're not going to do that. Yeah. 
they're not going to do that. Pretty much. If you can move through the star to the stars through the systems, you're much more evolved. Yeah. You know, you're definitely much more evolved. Well, they've been around a lot longer. Yeah, even on a lower scale, mm-hmm. there still might be more evolved than where we're at right now. Absolutely. Humans are pretty right? primitive. Yeah. So. So for those of you out there who are not primitive and you'd like to get in touch with aliens. Yeah. Let's talk about CE5. That's very cool. Right? So That's very cool. Okay, so the idea of CSETI, right? Right. Was to create a diplomatic and research-based initiative. So basically for contacting uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. Beings. Yeah, yeah whoever. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. yeah. When they developed the protocol, they actually created an app. Yeah, they did. How fortuitous. Yeah, right? which we both have. Yes, we do have. Yeah. I haven't tried it. You I said have. you tried it. I have, yeah. Um, because I didn't think, well, personally, I just didn't think maybe calling them to like downtown was a good idea because we're like right downtown. I, I thought the same thing, and, but then I thought about, how, about consciousness, right? Yeah. And we don't know anything how time is. We, like our, we're starting to realize about how time what time isn't mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, well, I was just thinking, like, if you, I, I don't know. I guess it's just an ingrained kind of belief that if you're going to do that, you should be out like away from the city and so on and so forth. And they do say that in the uh, app. Yeah, they do, and I could see that for sure. And then uh, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe it'd be kind of cool, like if we got together out on the patio there and we just like me and we put out some thoughts and they yeah. came and then there was like a mass sighting event. Yeah. You know what? If I had the, if I was in that kind of a situation with that type of technology, I would come and see you, but no one else would see me. Yeah. I, you know, well, I'm not going to hear. I'm not here to be a exhibitionist. Well, damn it. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. coming to see you. Mm-hmm. I well, you tried it, like you said, you tried I it. Did. I I haven't tried it because I was like I said, I was always under the impression that we should be. Someplace other than here, because we're in the middle of the city. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. that doesn't really matter if you just I communicate yeah. a few times actually um, mentally. Yeah, right. Then it wouldn't matter. Yeah, you know. So anyway, so what does it do? The the app basically provides instructions and hmm. some tools to assist you in making peaceful contact. Yeah, with very ex- simple to use with extraterrestrials. So it it facilitates the opportunity also for you to locate others in your area that are interested in making contact. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that people understand. I'm talking about the app. I don't get paid to talk about the app. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, this isn't some sort of promotional thing. Promotion for it, yeah. Yeah. Anything that we've talked about on here, we have received no payback for that. exactly. Yeah. It's a a good app. It's it's really a good app. It's a good good app. app. It's informative, and it's a good opportunity for people to try it out. Yeah, and I've watched and read my... Stephen Greer for years now. Mm-hmm. You know, his documentaries and books and that. He's, he's come a long way. Yeah. Well, like I said, I want to make sure people understand. I'm not doing it because someone's yeah. paying me. Yeah. I'm doing it because I think it's good. Yeah. Right? It is. It is good, too. Mm-hmm. And it's cost-effective. It doesn't cost very much. No, but it's it's set up well. It is. It's very well, and very well set up and very easy to use, mm-hmm. definitely. Experience has shown that extraterrestrial beings respond favorably to playback of specific tones, followed by entering into deep states of consciousness and awareness. Yeah, makes sense, patterns. And this makes sense to me because Greer was trained as a transcendental meditation teacher. Right. So the importance of being in the right state of consciousness makes sense. 
We hear a lot of reports of extraterrestrials communicating telepathically. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they don't communicate with you if your thoughts are clogging up your mind. Yeah, I, I, of course. I mean, that's a very real possibility. Sure. Right? And maybe that is due to the brain waves not oscillating at the correct speed. Yeah. Meditating may be the key to quieting the mind enough to hear them or for them to like get through. Get through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always said it was key. It was key to everything, man. It is. It is. As for the tones, we all know that tones are an effective means of communication, yeah, right? And if yeah. we go back to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the movie, yeah. when they're trying to communicate with tones, I mean, that's like from 1977, yeah. right? So someone somewhere knew. Well, who was in the movie? Heineck, exactly. <laughs> As a consultant. Exactly. Somewhere, <laughs> somebody somewhere knew that tones would help us to show them that we understand them and they understand us. Yeah. And Heineck makes a cameo in that movie. He does. Yeah, yeah. at the end when they're coming off pipe. the ship. Yeah, he's yeah. got his pipe and he steps out to take a better look at what's going on. What's going on, yeah. He consulted on that movie yeah. too, so yeah. there's a guy who knows. He knows tones work. Yeah. So the app has what it calls crop circle tones. Right. And those are tones that were recorded inside a crop circle in like 1989. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a weird tone. It is. It is. It's just really odd kind of pattern. Yeah. There's another tone that was recorded at a CE5 event in, uh, at Mount Shasta. Right, right. Uh, the tone happened during a meditation. Yeah. And the participants reported that the sound was uh, multidimensional and created an image that resembled a string of pearls in everyone's mind. It's awesome, actually, yeah. And there's a couple of other tones on there as well. Yeah, uh, One are. of them includes the... Um, Fibonacci sequence, sequence yeah. embedded in music. Right. I noticed about most of the tones, they were fast-paced and high-pitched. Yes. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it has to do with uh, just that higher vibrational rate. That's what I think. Yeah. Fast-paced, higher frequency. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. It's just, high-pitched. just what I think. High-pitched would be those high peaks when you look at a sound wave. Yeah. Deeper valleys, I guess, higher peaks. Yeah. 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 It has to do, it must have to In tones, to me, uh, I don't know if I'm right or not, if you measured them, they're low tones or, Mm -hmm. you know, low. Yeah. There's this low frequency, low low vibration. Yeah. And then higher ones is like, they're going really, really fast. That's the thing. These were really high and very fast paced. Yeah. And on oscilloscope, if you were to see it. Yeah. So the CE5 protocol outlines pretty much everything you need to yeah. facilitate contact yeah. if you want to. It's really easy to use. If I can use it, anyone can use it. Man. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. Because if he can do it, yeah. <laughs> I'm better. 100%. <laughs> if he can do it, anybody can do it. Yes. Yeah. It's tr- very true. It is. He is terrible when it comes to technology. <laughs> He's terrible. He didn't know how to reply to a comment on Facebook I yesterday. Tried. The other day I was... <laughs> Facebook is old as fuck. And he didn't know how to reply to a comment. I just go to Tanya and say, Yeah. Fix it. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes he tries and then it just takes too long and it's irritating to watch. So I just do it myself. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. So, basically, they suggest that you could assemble a team, hence why they have that. Uh, kind of like login thing there where yeah. you can meet up with other people in your area That's who are great interested. Idea. Yeah. That makes sense if you're going to do meditation type stuff. Absolutely. Because, man. you know, more people in a group, the higher the energy. The higher the energy. The protocol states that extraterrestrials are very considerate of those who wish to make contact with them but have some fears. 
It states that they will cater their presence to the least prepared member of the group. That's interesting, in my opinion. I, I think so. Too. You know, yeah. you and I go out to do this, and I'm like, yeah, let's go on a trip on the ship. And you're like, I'm cool with just lights. Just lights is what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to freak everybody out. Yeah, exactly. And that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, even with uh, Dr. Greer's groups, I, I've heard, you know, people, they're there. But then, as soon as things start happening, they're, they, they start tripping they panic, out. man. Yeah, yeah, they start getting fucked up. Yeah, right, and want to run and and you know whatever, right? Because well, oh shit, this is real. The well, idea of it is awesome until it actually happens, yeah, and then you start uh, to like exactly start to freak out a bit. Yeah, exactly. Know? How you're going to react is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't know. And they know it. Mm-hmm. They know it. It's it's for that reason that the protocol suggests no more than six to eight people in your group. Yeah, yeah, which I think is good. That's a good number. It is uh, that way. It's kind of like a, a buddy system too. Too, you know, if you, even if you did it that way, and yeah, and then you know what? Someone's freaking out. The other person might not be. They calm you down. Mm-hmm. Right. So they also obviously suggest you should have binoculars with you or cameras yeah, yeah, with you, yeah, and even even as far as like star charts. You know, download an app that lets you know what's going to happen in the sky. Yeah, in the sky. Because you yeah. should be mindful of the moon, also, right? Yeah, like satellites the, and yeah. If the moon is full, you're not going to see a lot. No, it's tough to see a lot. It right? is pretty bright. So picking a time, then the moon is not, or maybe when the moon is new, I guess would be best. Probably or early <clears> in its <throat> stages. They also su- suggest finding the right place where they say, okay, a spot that's like away from public roads or houses and closer to nature. Because um, even when you're meditating, you don't want to be disturbed. Yeah, you exactly. You don't want to be bothered by lights or some things outside of you mm-hmm. that are going to distract And a place you. that has like an unobstructed view, like a wide view of the sky. Yeah, uh, right? yeah, for sure. And then, like you said, satellites, planetary alignments, yeah. eclipses, things like that. You should be aware of that what kind of stuff too. Are out, yeah. yeah, if you're not, when something happens, be discerning. Yeah. Go home and investigate what the potential is for it. Like, yeah, okay, I saw this. What was it? Yeah. Could have been anything. Yeah, it says. Could have been. Be honest. Yeah. Doesn't always mean UFO. No, doesn't. Yeah. Like, I, was it last week or the week before? The guy I work with, he came in, he's like, I saw a UFO. So we talked it out, and I'm like, you saw a meteor. Yeah, that's right. Still that's cool right. as shit. It's cool as shit, yeah. Wish but, I saw the meteor. Yeah. I did not see the meteor, <clears throat> but he did. Yeah, he and did I was, see a UFO. I was a, I was a bit envious. I was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you and your dumb story. You and your meteors. (laughs) So once you've set up, you meditate. Yes. According to the CE5 protocol, meditation is central to making contact, which makes sense. Yeah. And the reason they say this is because it is their findings that the realm of consciousness is common to all beings throughout the universe. Yeah, yeah. Because of nonlinear nature of consciousness, it is possible to view distant places and times without actually going anywhere. And we already know that to be true, and we already know that people know that, because let's look at how invested in that idea or that concept the U.S. military was, the CIA was. They've been interested in that that concept. For years. Which is a... Remote viewing. Believe it or not, like, spoiler here, that's kind of the next show that we'll be we'll be doing. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is that what that, that big report is? Yeah. All right. Yeah. See? I didn't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's incredible. Remote, remote viewing is a thing. 
Yeah, for sure. It it's is. absolutely a thing. Absolutely, man. I've done it. I have. You've done it. Oh, yeah. Lots of people do it. I don't do it on the regular, right? No. But I've done it. Yeah. See, well, the protocol references something they call coherent thought sequencing. Right. So they refer to it as a technique developed by Dr. Greer to enhance the probability of contact. So it basically involves entering in a state of height, heightened awareness through meditation and then projecting images of your location mentally, basically out into the universe, out into to, the ether. Yeah, putting out the phone call. Yeah, so the idea is that <coughs> these me. images are visible in the field of consciousness and show any nearby extraterrestrials where you are located. Right. Essentially, it's like remote viewing backwards. Yeah. Instead yeah. of me sitting <coughs> here and looking at a faraway location, looking outwards. I sit here and put my location out Yeah. and then hope that someone or something yeah. sees you or views you. I had a, something else I'm going to add like that I wonder that with, with the meditation, why it's important, is that I think when we start to meditate, our energy, our energy changes definitely. Mm-hmm. But something else I think changes. I think the color around us changes. Oh, yeah, probably. It's probably a and, dull color we have. Yeah, and, and then that's when something also attracts, you, you know, you become this beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my own view, mm-hmm. right? As, as you're raising your consciousness. It could be like a lighthouse. Exactly. It could be just a exactly. blinking light. The light that's around you, that Merkaba, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It starts to spin mm-hmm. and it starts to create a brighter a brighter color. Yeah, you stand out. You do against everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's just my mm-hmm. my view on it. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of a very small breakdown of what the the protocol is yeah. meant to do. Yeah. So if you're interested in making contact and you got some friends who want to do that, yeah, you could be having close encounters of the fifth kind. Yeah, you can check out the C five uh, protocol. Protocol. You mm-hmm. can read about read Dr. Greer's books. He has uh, documentaries. They're all excellent. Yeah, what's the most recent one? No, uh, what was the one we watched a little while? Unacknowledged? No, no, that's the one before that. It was a new one. It was Contact CE5. Like, oh, it could have been. I don't know. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think that's what it was called. It's a good mm-hmm. documentary, man. Mm-hmm. Very, very well done. It's good. Yeah. I find it interesting because we've covered all of the encounters now, right? Right. I find it interesting that a skeptic like J. Allen Hynek would eventually be the guy who develops a scale for categorizing encounters. Yeah. You know? Well, you do, but I don't. I mean, he, there's no way. Well, I think, I think it's a good thing because it shows the integrity of his scientific approach. And he had an open mind, which yeah, it's, that's good. Yeah. He was asked in uh, an interview in 1985, he was asked uh, what caused the change of his opinion. He says two things, really. One was the completely negative and unyielding attitude of the Air Force. Right. They wouldn't give UFOs the chance of existing, even if they were flying up and down the street in the broad daylight. Yeah. Everything had to have an explanation. I began to resent that, even though I basically felt the same way, because I still thought they weren't going about it in the right way. Yeah. You can't assume that everything is black no matter what. Secondly, the caliber of the witnesses began to trouble me. Quite a few instances were reported by military pilots, for example, and I knew them to be fairly well trained. So this is when I first began to think that, well, maybe there was something to all of this. Yeah. Smart guy, man. Very. And you know what? You're seeing a lot more pilots coming forward. You can imagine how many I haven't Mm -hmm. because they don't want to lose their job. Mm -hmm. 
there was uh, these hypotheses that were referred to. Actually, he did a, a speech. Heineck did a speech in 1977. Mm-hmm. I think the speech was titled, What I Really Believe About UFOs or something to that effect. And he stated that he did believe, but he didn't necessarily believe it to be one thing. Right. With regards to the hypotheses of extraterrestrial intelligence and extra-dimensional intelligence, Heineck stated there is sufficient evidence to defend both. Right. Uh, as for evidence for extraterrestrial intelligence hypotheses, mm-hmm. Heineck mentions that the cases involving radar as good evidence of something solid, as well as the cases with physical evidence. Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. With regards to extra-dimensional intelligence, mm-hmm. Heineck defended it, stating, in addition to the observations of materialization and dematerialization, yeah. he cited the following, okay? Mm-hmm. Poltergeist phenomenon experienced by some people after a close encounter. Yeah. Now, poltergeist, quote-unquote, doesn't mean ghosts came to them after the UFOs. No. It means their energy changed. Exactly. Uh, Photographs of UFOs, sometimes only in one frame, but not seen by any witnesses. Yeah. Changing of form in front of witnesses. Telepathic communication. Close encounters, obviously, of the third kind is a big one. The extraterrestrials seem to be at home in the Earth's gravity and atmosphere. Levitation of cars, people, sudden stillness in the presence of a craft, the development by some people who've had encounters of psychic abilities. Yes. It's quite common, actually. He asked basically the question, do we have two aspects of one phenomenon or two different sets of phenomena? Yeah. Are extraterrestrial intelligence encounters and extra-dimensional intelligence encounters the same thing? Or are they two different things? Is it the same highway they're they're flying on? Yeah, basically. Like he, I, I he think used so. An, he, I really do. I really he do. used an example where he said, basically, you know that weather phenomenon comes from the atmosphere, and rain is different than like a meteor shower. Yeah, for sure. They're not the same thing. No. But all of the things that happen from the atmosphere are the same thing. Yeah. So rain, clouds, all that stuff, mm-hmm. it all comes from one place. Yeah. But a meteor shower is a different thing. So yeah. are they two different things or are they all part of the same group of yeah, things? Yeah. He offered a third hypothesis. Okay. Okay. So Heineck said, I hold it entirely possible that a technology exists which encompasses both the physical and the psychic, the material and the mental. There are stars that are millions of years older than the sun. They may be a civilization that is millions of years more advanced than man's. We have gone from Kitty Hawk to the moon in some 70 years, but it's possible that a million-year-old civilization may know something that we don't. I hypothesize an M&M technology, so M&M, he means material mental technology, right. encompassing the mental and material realms, the psychic realms so mysterious to us today, it may be an ordinary part of an advanced technology. Yeah, I, I agree, big, big time. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And the thing I find interesting is that a lot of researchers that uh, research UFOs on that, they always come to this it, it yes. immediately, like not immediately, but over time, they come to dimensions. Like it's not just one thing. Yeah, like, it isn't. It's just, it's every, it's, it's the one door is the one thing. It, it's, I don't know. I don't even it's know. It's true, to, but it gets shut down a lot. It does. It does. And it gets pushed to the side a lot. He he's probably best known for uh, this one of these statements. I'm, well, I'm going to read this statement because I think it's a good one. He said, "Ridicule is not part of the scientific method, and people should not be taught that it is. 
the steady flow of reports often made in concert by reliable observers raises questions of scientific obligation and responsibility. Right. Is there any residue that is worthy of scientific attention? Or, if there isn't, does not an obligation exist to say so to the public, not in words of open ridicule, but seriously, to keep faith with the trust the public places in science and scientists? Yeah. Residue. Even something as small as a residue of yeah. evidence to be yeah. investigated should be looked at. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, for sure. And unbiasedly. Yeah. Well, didn't we say that in another show about yeah. scientists? Yeah. I thought science was about learning more but, things, not not this is the way it is, that's it. There's no no change. Yeah, well, I would like to finish off this little bit of show with this last quote from Heineck, because I think it speaks to what you just said. Okay. And this is a good one. As a scientist, I must be mindful of the lessons of the past. All too often, it has happened that matters of great value to science were overlooked because the new phenomenon did not fit the accepted scientific outlook of the time. Exactly, man. And then he dropped his mic and he left the stage, probably. Yeah, <laughs> mic drop and gone. Seriously. Yeah. He's right. He is absolutely right. Just because it doesn't fit into what you think it should doesn't mean that it's invalid. Yeah. This is, this is, again, again, science. Yeah. You're supposed to be open. Yeah. You know, yeah. Through, the age, through the ages you were ridiculed for... For being open. Yeah. And now you're you know, you're the reverse. Now you're telling everybody they're fucking idiots, you know? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. What an awesome guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Didn't that guy who lives up Yeah. The thing from us? Yeah. It, up the block, I guess you would call it. Yeah, I've I've always had this amazing kind of luck to bump into a few people that were directly um Involved with certain things, like the one gentleman that uh, I ended up talking to had, he was a UFO investigator. Yeah, what are the fucking chances? I know, and he he interviewed and talked with Heineck, you know, a few times. Mm -hmm. And then I bumped into this other woman one time who was doing the paperwork for Operation Paperclip. Uh, Project Paperclip. And this was years back when they were still saying it was a bunch of bunk. Yeah. Yes, yeah. little German lady. You know, here's the tell thing. Tell me we, all about it. We, no, we live in a townhome complex. So when he says bumped into, yeah, these people literally live in the same complex yeah. as us. Yeah. So we live in a complex, and the the units are segregated by blocks. Yeah. This little old lady, German lady, would go out walking with her little. She's wearing hiking sticks, poles. Hiking poles. Yeah. She's yeah. An awesome lady, man. I came home one day, and Chris is outside talking to her, and they're talking, they're talking. And I'm like, well, whatever. And I yeah. eat something and watch some TV and so on and so forth. And he finally comes in and he tells me this woman worked on Project Paperclip. Yeah. She was the one who was uh, doing the What are the, the fucking paperwork? chances? Yeah. And then a little while ago, he went to the grocery store. He's coming back. This dude's sitting outside. Yeah. They start talking as he's coming up the path to our unit and find out this guy was why. a UFO research. man. Yeah, he just started talking to me about <laughs> it, you know? And I thought, that's fucking weird. Yeah, he's what a UFO. chances, man? He's a UFO researcher, yeah. and he's talked to Heineck. He interviewed Heineck and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and he's, he asked me, he said, do you believe in, in uh, UFOs and other life? I said, absolutely. And he just looked at me with his face and said, you better damn well believe that there's something else out there. Yeah. He says, you better believe it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and then we started talking some more. It was amazing. There must be something. 
There must be something to what we do, what you and I look into, what you and I are interested in, because for whatever reason, the right people to confirm those things always seem to end up in our space, in our orbit. Yeah. I take it as a sign. I take it it as a sign that we're on the right way. We're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So there you have it, peeps. Yeah. That is a breakdown of close encounters and the guy who developed the scale. Yeah, a little bit lighter show, but yeah, uh, exactly. You know, now uh, you know cool. how how it happened, how yeah. it began, yeah. and how a guy like J. Allen Hynek, a scientist, an astronomer, professor, mm-hmm. could become a ufologist and famous and, one too. and change his position on some of the things that he saw, saying, "You know what? I can't. I don't have an yeah, explanation. I don't, I don't know what this guy's telling the truth, and mm-hmm. I don't know." He saw what he saw. It's yeah. true. Sometimes you don't have answers, but yeah. that doesn't mean that, that it's doesn't not. doesn't mean that it's bunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's horseshit. Yep. Good for him. Good for him, too, exactly, that he's open. Yeah. So if you're interested in trying your hand at initiating peaceful contact with extraterrestrials, yeah. then check out CE5. CE5. Yeah, yeah CE5 it's, it's, protocol. It's, it doesn't cost a lot. You can put it on your phone. It's or, just an app. Yeah, it's an app, but, but it's really well done. You might meet other people who are interested in the same yeah. thing you are. Yeah. It's very, a lot of information on it. And, you know, even if you check his site, he's got a lot of info. Mm-hmm. Right? He always talks about stuff. Exactly. Yeah. All right, then. That's that. Yeah, that's that. Happy encounters. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if you have even, them. Even if you're into the seventh kind, I'm sure you could talk yeah. to somebody who might want to come down and have hoochie with you. Yeah, write us. Tell, <laughs> tell us about don't it. Don't tell me about your hoochie. No. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to know about uh, the encounters, man. Yeah, the encounters, yeah, but I don't want to know about no hoochie ones. Yeah. Some alien with like two penises or something, eight vaginas or some shit. I don't, I don't. That, that would scare you. <laughs> yes, it would terrify me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Look forward to the next one. Yeah, it should be a good show the next one as well. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever time yeah. you are sitting in currently. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. Be good to each other. Take care. Bye. Bye. Visit us at our website at thetrianguleumpodcast.com or email us at thetrianguleumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Your support, as always, is appreciated.